welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jesse, and I'm Michelle. And today we are going to take on kind of a, a very tricky topic, which is dealing with the uncertainty of this time and whether or not you want to continue a career in music. And I think a lot of people are going through it right now and are having mixed feelings about it. And so we thought we would just kind of talk about how to deal with those thoughts and how to deal with that decision. But before we hop into that, Michelle and I were going through podcast stats. We have meetings every week where we break down stuff and try to get a better grasp of our audience. And we started looking at some stats we hadn't looked at before. And there are so many men here. <laughs> There's so many men. There's so many more men than we, we ever imagined. Our stats on Instagram are heavily female. And so it was very, very funny when we got to the actual stats of the people who listen to our podcast. And it's much more like 50-50. So, hi. Hi, guys. What's up? (laughs) Hello, fabulous men. It's so nice to meet you if you're listening. Yeah, we, I don't know, we just were dying of laughter last night because Instagram tells us that our audience is like 81% female identifying and like 19% male identifying and we were like okay like that makes sense with the vibe of our Instagram and like the people who perhaps interact with us the most we were like that makes sense so we just kind of assumed that's what our podcast audience was because a lot of the apps don't actually give you like really any data so when we tapped into this data last night we were like 50 50 excuse me (laughs) like what Also, a a quick shout out to our 1% of non-binary. Heck yes. We love to see it. Y'all chill as heck. Yeah. It also gave us a way clear age breakdown, which was pretty much what we expected. And um, funnily enough, we have (laughs) more people in the like 40 to 59 age range than like 0 to 17. And we were like, interesting. (laughs) The tweens are not listening. Our TikToks have not reached them. Yeah. No. (laughs) Gen Z is not vibing with us, but I'm so glad that we have <laughs> some Gen Xers with us, you know? Yeah. But that was truly wild. <laughs> but but that was a, a delightful thing to find out, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So we don't really know what to do with this information, but uh, we'll do something with it moving forward. <laughs> Anyways... Here's a couple of announcements for this week. We have a blog post coming out on Thursday that's going to be tied to this episode's topic. It's a very honest look written by our administrator, Emily. Uh, It's a wonderful piece. I think a lot of people who are going through this right now will find so much comfort in it. So coming out on Thursday at our website, opera-offstage.com. Also, if you haven't checked out our Patreon in a while, we have totally revamped it. It's looking great. There's really great rewards. We made it even more affordable. So we now offer $2, $5, and $10 tiers that come with a bunch of goodies. And the nice thing is you're charged only once a month um, at the beginning of the month. So technically, like you can get all these goodies right now and not have to pay until April. So if you're looking to get a lot of exclusive and early access to a lot of our content, check out our Patreon. And then we're also hosting a little March Madness this week. So if you guys have seen our stories, we started on Monday and we are rating the hottest instrument in the orchestra. And it's been really funny to see your guys' votes so far. So we're very excited. We should know our winner, our king instrument by Friday. Also, let me be clear. We could not put every single instrument in this bracket. So for example, percussion is just percussion because you guys have too many instruments involved for us 
to break it down. But percussion, if you win, I will break it down into a more detailed bracket for you. It was so funny. That's all I'm saying. Jesse was so good. <laughs> such a such a good little person and like truly listed every single instrument imaginable in the orchestra. And I was like, can we cut it down? Like, no, no disrespect to these instruments, but like, we're going to be voting until like May if we. <laughs> Not if we to keep absolutely roast myself and and ask for my school to take back my music degree, but I also had to sit there. I was like, Michelle, please remind me: is this actually in a standard orchestra, or is this just one of those some of the time things? Because I was like, truly, I do not remember anymore. Uh, yeah, and just to, sorry to fully roast you. She was asking about the saxophone, which gave me a very good chuckle. <laughs> I was having a mental break. Listen, the two brain cells are not functioning today. It was so serious. She was like, Michelle, are 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 Listen, saxophones I have the, part of the I orchestra? have the video of Michelle naming all the instruments in an orchestra. So this goes both ways. Truly, maybe that's where where I learned. But it was it was a good time. It was, yeah. it was a late night chat. <laughs> Neither of us were fully present. Uh, but yeah, anyways, have fun with March Madness uh, with us this week. Another thing we wanted to start incorporating into our announcements is reading your lovely reviews. Um, we've gotten so many DMs lately. and We've been tagged in so many posts and it just really warms our hearts. It just makes us so happy. So we wanted to read one of our latest reviews, which said, absolutely love this podcast. This podcast is amazing. These two make me giggle so much, as well as sharing really helpful tips and tricks. Download now. Thank you, girls. From a listener in Great Britain. So thank you. That was very sweet. Like I said, we love we love to read your reviews. Uh, they destroy us every time. Um, but it means the world to us to know what you guys think. So even if you're not listening on the Apple Podcast app, if you have it, we just like to read them. <laughs> Send us a little note. Yeah. We've also been so shocked at how many people who like have reached out to us on Instagram and have been like, oh, I found your podcast through friends' recommendations or just like browsing through opera podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And we're like, what? And the only reason that happens is because of these reviews. So that's why we always get so hype about them. Uh, because then we get some more listeners and it's a good little time. We love having you guys in our community. And thank you to everyone who came to our watch parties this weekend. We had such a good time watching Eugene Onegin and Deflator Mouse. And I, I really love, we have now opened up a second night for people in Europe to listen. Yeah, it's so fun. I think, so this this month we didn't uh, allow you guys to vote because... I don't know why we did that. It was our one year anniversary, and so it was our choice. <laughs> it was our one year anniversary. We were, <laughs> we were like, uh, yeah, we this is now a dictatorship. We will be choosing the opera. <laughs> um, but no, we'll go back to voting next month. But it was really fun having a little double feature. So I don't know if we'll do that maybe in the future, probably, and pick two different operas. But it was it was super fun. Our opera watch parties are a blast. If you're a first time listener, or haven't attended. An opera watch party. They're hosted for free through our Discord, which is uh, just like you can open it up in your web browser. Super easy. I honestly feel like the big draw is us talking about the opera as it's happening. Like I'm 50% entertained by the opera and 50% entertained by all of everybody's commentary in the group <laughs> chat. It is a great time. I'm laughing at the opera. I'm laughing at our comments. It's a it's it's good old jolly time. Come for the opera. Stay for me roasting Michelle in the chat. <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, goodness. So let's uh, let's jump into this episode. 
This topic actually came up because, you know, I lurk in a bunch of the musician Facebook groups, which are great places to commiserate with people. And I saw a post with a bunch of people talking about whether or not they were considering staying in music. And I think COVID, especially this year, has rattled a lot of musicians and created tons of questions about the viability of a future career in music and some people questioning whether or not staying in music is going to be worth it. And I think that's totally legitimate. I think that's absolutely makes sense. It's it's killed a lot of momentum for people and it's very hard to pick yourself up. And I think also we've revealed a lot of things about our industry in the past year that don't make us optimistic about it. Oh, no. I think, if anything, the things that we've learned about what's going on with a lot of these opera companies and just like with our industry as a whole, I think a lot of people are also questioning morally and ethically, do I want to be part of this industry anymore? Yeah, and it's completely legitimate. And I, I just want for anyone who who is feeling that way to know that like, that's fine. That's logical. It's, <laughs> yes. It makes sense that you're, it would be a little silly if you weren't questioning it. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't had some doubts. But first and foremost, I want to say that the music industry, and especially the classical music industry, isn't made to create happy, healthy musicians. And it very often does the exact opposite of that. And while it may be worth it for a lot of us to stay in and try and make a better industry, no one is obligated to sacrifice their health or their mental well-being or their time to improve an industry that largely doesn't care about the individual. Because I think there's this big push in music a lot of times to be like, oh, well, if you don't like it, you can make it better, which is great if that fulfills you. If that makes you feel good to like try and do that, then that's great. But like you... Your love of music does not obligate you to just, like, destroy yourself to try and fix something. Yeah, it's definitely, like, you don't need to feel pressured to try and fix a very, you know, in many ways harmful industry if that's going to cost you. And, you know, obviously trying to improve our industry is important work, but if that's not your calling, then there's absolutely no shame. And if you don't feel like that's your calling, that doesn't mean that you're not invested in the future of opera. It doesn't mean that you don't care about the industry or that you don't also agree that there's some pretty messed up stuff going on. Um, that Those two things are not tied whatsoever. And you can absolutely from outside of a career in music still change that industry by just investing in groups that you see making those changes. I mean, it doesn't require you to even work in the industry to do so. But I mean, let's actually just break it down. If you've decided that you want to leave the music industry or you're feeling pulled towards that, let's just cover the things that that does not mean. It does not mean that you are a failure. You, you haven't failed. The industry has failed you. It has failed to be a place that made you feel safe and like you could express yourself and like you could make art. You are not any less of a musician than you were when you were pursuing a career. You have all of the same abilities within you that you had when you were working. Nothing has changed other than, you know, a silly title. Music isn't any less important to you than anyone else. You don't have to pursue something as a career for something to be important to you. And a little later we'll talk about how sometimes pursuing music as a career is, is almost, you know, it's you make more compromises to do it than you do not. So sometimes music is so important to you, you're not willing to make those compromises. Um, and it doesn't mean, like we said, that you don't care about the future of classical music. You can be deeply invested and at the same time need to step away. Yeah, 100%. We definitely live, like, especially for Americans, but in many places. We live in a society that is obsessed with work and dedication and perseverance, and we are so attached to those values, and we are not nearly thoughtful enough 
or invested enough in our own happiness. Yeah, there's so much more to life and happiness than just your career. And I think sometimes we become so attached to an idea of a career or the direction or maybe the specific path or our you know, perception of an ideal path in our career that we, you know, along the way really can lose ourselves and some of the other things that just make us humans and people. And that's obviously a a lifelong learning lesson and balance. But, you know, we talk a lot about dual careers, you know, the idea of doing music part time or in some capacity and then having another correlating or, you know, entirely different career. But even doing that can really wear people down. And it's very common for even successful musicians to leave the field because, you know, the lifestyle costs so much. I mean, we're we're talking about primarily being, you know, professional musicians. Doing that is like your full-time job and making your income primarily off of that. And I think a story that actually is very inspiring and calming and gives me very good vibes is from my own voice teacher in undergrad who, a very talented soprano, you know, kind of followed all of the what we think of as the correct steps, you know, did her schooling and then went to Europe and did the whole German shebang, was performing with lots of houses, was having great success, and then just kind of realized she didn't like traveling, which is very valid. Yeah, she didn't like being disconnected from people. It's not fun to be disconnected from people. It's not fun to be staying by yourself in a new area or a new hotel for extended periods of time like all the time especially when you're not from that country and you really are just kind of your company is you know the people that you're performing with and not necessarily like your friends and family so to speak and she just kind of took a hard look at it after having a very successful time in Europe and was like you know what like I'm having fun, but this is not the lifestyle that I want to live. This is not the lifestyle that fulfills me. So she moved back to the U.S. and then just kind of settled down and started teaching and is now a wonderful or actually she just retired, but was a wonderful (laughs) (laughs) educator to so many students. And that was where she really found her joy because she got to live the lifestyle she wanted and was able to pursue music in a different way. Yeah. And no one would ever question her ability to be a good musician, trust me. Oh, yeah, no. I am still in awe of her. But yeah, like, it's it's enough for you to just say, I'm not happy doing this. And that's it. Because there is, there is just a huge difference in loving being a musician, the act of making music with other people, and loving making a living off of it, <laughs> which is a different career that's a whole different thing. There are plenty of things I love in life, that I would never try and monetize. Yeah, I think the other really big hitting point in this conversation, for me at least, is I think so many of us are pushed into the performance track from undergrad, especially obviously once you get to grad school. Although I will say you have more options to study different facets of music in grad school. But when you're kind of going through the undergrad game, like, yeah, sure, you might be able to do, you know, music ed, but I feel like music ed, musicology degrees are way less developed and way less common in undergrad. So really, we're all kind of funneled into the performance track. And while that works for a lot of people, and obviously there are a lot of people who come out and they're like, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to be a professional um, performer and that's what I want to make my money from. Awesome. Obviously, we see lots of people who are very passionate about that track. But I think we, a lot of us who are not necessarily in that boat still get lumped in this giant group 
And then it's no surprise that when, you know, only three or four of us out of a class, like really make it through the funnel and like fit the bill, so to speak, you know. So I think it's also super easy to, you know, kind of get in this mindset of like, well, if I want to pursue music, then it has to be because I'm a performer. But I think that's what honestly leads to a lot of people being burnt out because maybe your interests are are somewhere else in music. Maybe your skill set is, you know, better served in administration or music ed or something else related to music. And we sometimes think of that as a less glorious path in music because everybody wants to kind of have the fun that that comes with performance. But that track is not for everybody. And that is definitely just one of so many ways to still pursue music in some capacity. Yeah. I think we all have to also just be okay with the way we change and grow. You know, your desires and your wants and the things you realize about yourself will change as you get older. And that's a good thing. If you are considering this, though, and you're just kind of feeling a little at sea. <laughs> there are a couple questions you can ask yourself, I think, to start to clarify what might be next for you. So the first one is, are you looking to leave the industry altogether? Um, there's nothing wrong with taking a break and coming back. I've taken a, a year-long break before because I needed it for personal reasons. People have gaps in their resume all the time. And if you think you just need a break from the yap cycle and the auditions and all of that, take it. Like, you'll be better off for having just lived your life a little bit, too. If you think that you're just experiencing, like, severe burnout, go and listen to our episode on that and see if that kind of helps you. Yeah, if you feel like you're kind of, you know, really experiencing the cycle of burnout, go ahead and check out episode number 15. We have lots of tips and tricks on, you know, dealing with burnout because it's completely inevitable. And I will also say that is a huge part of, I mean, really any industry, but I feel like definitely music where you will, you know, it's inevitable that you will experience burnout and being able to distinguish that from stress is a really, really valuable life lesson. So check out that dealing with burnout episode if you haven't listened to it already. Yeah. And if you get to the end of taking that break and you realize that you really don't want to go back... There's nothing wrong with knowing that, like, doing music as a career isn't for you. Because music as a career has a ton of compromises. You know, we don't get to choose the music we make always. We don't get to... We have a lot... We have very little control. (laughs) And I think for some people, you know, when you do something as a job, it's no longer enjoyable. And that's a completely legitimate feeling. And it doesn't make you someone who loves music any less, and it doesn't make you any less of a musician. And I guess that is another big question of it is like, what exactly are you feeling is pushing you away from continuing in music? Is it is it making music itself no longer fulfills you or is it more the people in the industry who are the problem or the way the industry works? I think this is the hardest thing for most people to deal with is that they do still deeply love making music, but that the industry itself is just so exhausting. And so it's hard to love one thing and not the other. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely really difficult to, you know, navigate this feeling of joy and just like the pure passion of creating music with, you know, the realization that, you know, you're constantly competing for opportunity. There are constantly people who, you know, are are giving you bad criticism. You're constantly faced with failure. You're constantly, you know, trying something. It doesn't work out. And then you need to adapt. Like they're constantly these barriers and that's that just really sucks sometimes and it can be super overwhelming but the other thing this might tell you is whether or not 
you might be looking at, once again, not leaving the industry in entirely and looking at maybe teaching or outreach or arts admin. You know, there are th t tons and tons of ways to still be making music in some capacity or being a part of that without contributing to, to the part of the industry that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So it'll also direct you as to whether or not you may be looking at a completely different career field or something adjacent. Another really good question to ask yourself is, is there a non-traditional path that may suit me better? We really do, because we are all pushed into that performance path, we really do make music such like an all or nothing bid. And it's like either you are performing in opera houses or you are in an orchestra or nothing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Everything else is failure. And that's not true. And nowadays, there are so many ways to get out there and to be present in the music industry outside of traditional pathways that it's worth looking into. Yeah. You don't need a bunch of old people's stamp of approval. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I think I think this is so spot on. I mean, it all just comes down to the funnel once more. You know, there's so many people and so many cool non-traditional career paths that are left behind because we become so you know, focused on this one ideal school to yap to met <laughs> trajectory that is just so not what most of us experience. And I think you are a unique person and the skill set that you have and the passions that you have and everything that makes you you is so unique and individual. And I mean, why would you want to just like blindly follow this path that's been told to you is the right path when you could find a path that really suits you and I think not feeling the pressure of like oh, I don't have enough yaps on my resume like man I haven't done enough of this like I, ha I need to this is my next step and if I don't reach it in like two years like what am I even doing like did I just spend all this money on grad school for no reason like rather than beating yourself up to fit this ideal classical musician mold like what does your non-traditional path look like that would just make you feel so good about what you're creating about the direction you're headed in and about you know the difference that you're making and and if you are a person who's like yes but i don't feel talented skilled enough to to be a non-traditional path person no one does <laughs> so true <laughs> not a single person when we started this podcast all i could think was like somebody's gonna look at my resume and ask what are you doing giving advice but the existence of the people who listen to this podcast proves that we were qualified, that there was a need and we filled it. And so trust me when I say that if you have something you think should exist, that there are other people who probably would agree. So tell tell your self-consciousness to back off because <laughs> it's, me alone. it's worth chasing. Yeah, and it's very possible that you might find this non-traditional path much more fulfilling than just leaving classical music altogether. And I think sometimes when you're, you're pondering leaving music, you know, giving that a shot, it can be a good way of confirming whether or not you feel, you know, you want to stay involved in the, in the career or just come up with something different. It's also a great way to revitalize just the pure love of making music to work on something that you are just utterly passionate about. Yeah, we had an interesting conversation with Miriam Gordon Stewart from Victory Hall Opera on our Instagram live a couple of weeks ago. And um, we talked a lot about the idea that, you know, this is perhaps more specific to singers, but we don't get a lot of opportunities to create because we have an idea. 
Like we're not put in positions of power all the time where we are the main creative director, so to speak. And I think that can be very, very damaging to the spirit, especially as musicians when, you know, our passion is to create. And so I think really taking the time to figure out what brings you joy and what about music lights you up and pursue more of that. And sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, acknowledging that like, you know, I don't want to fit the perfect musician mold. I would much rather do this and seeing if that works out because there, you do need to be in positions of power. You do need to take charge of your output. Otherwise, it's it's very draining very fast. Exactly. I, I think that is why most people really should invest in looking at non-traditional paths of music making and making music into a job. And the other thing that I would say you should really ask yourself is, what is it about music that you love? Is it the music itself? Is it the performing and being out in front of people and connecting with them? Is it that community that music tends to build? Do you just like sharing something that you are so passionate about? And maybe it's a combo of a bunch of things, or maybe there are other reasons. But when you can answer these questions, you can also find those other fields and paths that fulfill you in the way performing does. Because we all have different reasons to what brings us to the stage. And those things are broader than music and performing itself. They are just simply the things that fill us up. And when you can attach onto those, you can understand yourself as a broader person than just a musician. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized this conversation is not easy. But one of the things I knew when I got into music, when I decided I was going to study music, especially since I felt like I was getting into music late, I realized pretty quickly that there was always the chance that as a career, it might not work out. But I also realized that I would never regret pursuing it because no matter what I do for the rest of my life, the things I did, the things I learned as a musician have changed me and made me a better person. They have made me more invested in the things that I am passionate about. And I know that for so many people who are going through this question right now, there are people probably in your life who are doing the I told you so thing. I told you a career in music wouldn't work. I told you getting a degree in music was stupid. Those people can go fuck themselves. (laughs) Yep. Because pursuing something that you are passionate about, putting it all on the line to go out and try and grasp something that means a lot to you, not playing it safe. What an invaluable experience to live a life that in some point at some time was uncompromised. And you should be so proud of yourself for putting yourself out there like that because it is just not easy and those people simply do not understand what it means to do something like that absolutely music is just it's a huge part of our lives and everything about studying it and pursuing it has made you in some way stronger it has given you more than just being a musician well said jesse i think that there are so many transferable skills from working in and studying music. I think often, you know, when we're pondering this question of, you know, what does my future involvement look like in music? Does Did I gain anything from it? Um, it we can sometimes get caught up in this idea of, like you said, you have this outside pressure and you wonder, you know, was it worth spending all this money at grad school to just kind of, you know, take a hard left and do a different career entirely like can I really take anything away from my music degree was it 
Like, does this really, through all these years of lessons and operas and rehearsals and studying and writing all this stuff, really help me in other areas of my life? And this simple answer is absolutely 100% yeah, yes. It did. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you really break it down, being a music student, you know, in any facet, chances are you are great at multitasking. Chances are you have great communication skills, which are going to help you in literally any other career field. You're a team player because you're so used to working alongside a teacher. You're used to doing master classes. You're used to working in ensemble works or in an orchestra or in a choir. Chances are you have really, really great time management because let's be honest, our plates are almost always too full and you have to prioritize and you have totally gotten used to, you know, knowing what to do with your time in an effective manner. You're good with people which I always love because any sort of like corporate job I've ever worked has loved me for that. Because as performers, as musicians, we just know how to work with people. We know what it's like to be in a collaborative element and we know how to communicate ideas effectively, which will serve you literally in life in general, but especially in the workforce. You probably have language skills, which definitely sets you apart from the average ye old American. You obviously have research <laughs> skills. You're probably a good writer. You're definitely highly adaptable. You learn quickly. Clearly, you are very hardworking, independent, and creative. And no one could ever convince me that the things that you learn about yourself and the skills that you develop and the confidence that you develop from pursuing music, nobody could ever tell you that that wasn't worth it and that that won't serve you for your entire life. So, so many jobs are, are based on those skills and have very little to do with the degree. Pretty much all jobs, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So trust me when I say those are completely transferable skills. And, you know, also, uh, I mentioned this stat in another episode, but a music major is like somewhere in like the top five, maybe top three of majors for people who are pre-med. Yeah. People know. <laughs> People know the kind of mindset and dedication it takes to be a musician, and they value it. And you should, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you were saying earlier, Jesse, I think that being a musician, you know, it, it is a hard time. I don't necessarily plan on leaving music, but it can be very, very difficult to feel confident about my place in music as I look forward and, and what that involvement looks like. But I do know that I would never, ever trade my experience in music for anything in the world. The person that I became from studying music is an entirely different person than when I started. I would never give up the skills and the relationships that I gained from this whole experience. I, I could never possibly look at it in a negative light. Well, and I think to be completely honest, I don't know that I... I would have lasted as long as I did if it weren't for this podcast. I think that having this in my life has given me a semblance of control, like having a non-traditional place to exist in this music world that is so freaking complicated all the time. Like, that's why I think those non-traditional paths are so important. Yeah. Or non-traditional projects, you know? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you are on the right path and you just need something new that really revitalizes you and really hones in you know some aspect of why you're in music and why it is worth it to you but I would also say that you know it's it's a little interesting because like obviously Jesse and I plan on staying in music um in some capacity yes I'm not but, going anywhere yeah but you know I also like have absolutely I do not think less 
at all of anyone who's like, you know what? Like, I had a good time in music, but it's just not for me. And I just don't want to do it professionally in any capacity anymore. That's totally fine. And I think that that sometimes is a lot of people's like plan B, so to speak. And we talked a a little bit about this in our last episode, but having a plan B, C, D, whatever is not a bad thing in the slightest. And it's so important to shift your perspective from I'm literally a failure. What is wrong with me? Why can't I make plan A work? Like, this is all super bad. And shifting that to, well, now I get to figure out what I didn't like and what didn't work from plan A. And I can just strategize and take the best from that plan and create something new that actually serves me. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in this idea that just because something is plan A means that that was the best plan. And I think we see it in all aspects of life. Like our first plan is rarely the plan that we stick with and is rarely the best plan. It was just the our ideal plan at the time we created it. Yeah. And things change and life takes us in totally different directions. You meet new people, you discover new things about yourself and your life goals change. And I think that's pretty normal for people. That's not something that we necessarily think is a negative thing in society. So like, why would that, why would that not also apply to our career goals and you know sometimes you know deciding to just leave music completely or you know just do it for fun like maybe you just sing a messiah every winter and like that's your big thing or like you you sing with the church or you you know volunteer with an an ensemble everywhere yeah like sometimes it just means that you're prioritizing other interests i think we really can set ourselves up for some for some hard times when we believe that, you know, our plan B, C, D is like worst case scenario. And it's not. It's just a different plan. And that's totally okay. Yeah. I think something you have to learn is to just be honest with yourself and take a second and take off the weight of what you think everyone else will think if you leave music. Because I feel like so often the the real thing that is is making this conversation so difficult is our perception of what our friends will think. Our friends who are in music, our parents, our you know, our teachers, and everything. There, it's it's less about what we want and more about what we think other people want of us. But it is your life, and really, if those people in your life are good people, they want you to be happy more than anything. Yeah, that's a good point. I think sometimes we become known in our little circle, our little community circle, as the musician or a musician and it can definitely be hard to you know kind of grapple with the feelings of watching you know having other friends who are still pursuing music wholeheartedly and realizing that maybe it's not for you but it's your life and your life is so much more than just a career and like we said not pursuing music does not mean that you're a failure it doesn't mean that you are less of a musician doesn't mean that music's not important to you or that the future of music is not important to you. It just, you know, has a different priority level for you than other people. And that's fine because you're the one who has to live your life. And you got to make sure that that's something that you're really enjoying. Yeah. So we hope that if you are in that position at this moment, that this episode has kind of helped you out and reminded you that you have so much more value than just as a professional musician and that you will always be a musician. But if you're going, you know, through this and you're struggling and you want to talk it out or you want to think it out, you know, you can always reach us. We are happy to talk through things with people. Um, We understand that this is a really tricky time for a lot of people. And so you can always reach us on our Instagram 
which is at Opera Offstage. Also, the Discord is a really good place if you want to commiserate with a bunch of musicians at once. They're definitely a really lovely group of people who are happy to talk things out, which you can get to through our bio. Yeah. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while because it's it's something that we as musicians don't necessarily like to talk about, but it's an important conversation. And, you know, if anything, I, I definitely view it more as a as a positive than a negative, because, you know, if you come out of this and you realize that you're just burnt out and you want to stick with music, that's awesome. That's really, really good information to know. And if you go through this process and you realize, you know, the, my future with music needs to look different for my well-being and my happiness. That's also awesome and really great information to know. And I think that that's super empowering. And even if it's tough work to get there, it's only going to lead you to probably a healthier relationship with music and with yourself and with the lifestyle that you want to live. So we hope that this episode was helpful because I know I've definitely gone through periods of feeling this way, and I'm sure I will continue because <laughs> that's just kind of the the path. But definitely we want you guys to feel like this is a safe space. So really feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to even just listen because it, I think it is important to to feel supported when you're kind of going through this thought process. So reach out to us. We look forward to hearing from you guys, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.